You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Top 5 Tuesday, and in today's show, we've got our top five moments in Texans history. It's a big one. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Robert Land, along with my co-host, House of Houston's Brian Patterson. Welcome to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We are part of the FanRag Sports Network, if you're a first-timer. Later in the show, we'll hear Locked On 49ers host Brian Peacock's thoughts on the Niners handing Jimmy Garoppolo the biggest contract in NFL history. Stay tuned for that. But Brian, hey, we got our top five Texans all-time moments in their long and storied history. Well, sort of storied and long history. I don't know about you, but a couple of those were easy for me and a couple of them I had to think about for for, for a little while. You, you are lying because, you know, we haven't been around all that long. Uh, but there are some moments that, that really struck me. And I just had to remember what day that was. I mean, I remember the moment, but I had to go back and check what 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 season was that from? Because, you know, it's kind of all, you know, kind of after 2011, you know, before 2011, you know, things kind of are all in like just this one straight line. So, yeah, I had to, had to go dig and find out what those dates were. But I've got some good moments. All right, let's see if some of our moments match up. My number one is January the 7th, 2012, Texans versus Bengals in the playoffs. I don't think I got to tell anybody about this one. J.J. raises his hands up while rushing Andy Dalton and then just snatches it out of the air, returning it 29 yards for a touchdown, leading to the Texans' first playoff win. Not only was it the defining moment of the game, but it was the moment that marked the beginning of J.J. Watt's legendary career, Brian. I assume you've got to have this one, right? That is my first one. I have it written down. That is the very first thought that came to mind. So uh, I'm in alignment with you. And just thinking about with uh, TJ Yates, you know, a guy that wasn't expected to be starting that game. It was going to be Matt Schaub, but he was uh, productive enough to help his team go out and win. And, you know, it wasn't all that great. I mean, he had one touchdown uh, pass, 159 yards, but he was pretty accurate with the ball. He had a 97.7 uh, quarterback rating. So, you know, it, it, it's just something that um, was a turning point for this franchise showing that, hey, we're not just this begotten, um, you know, bottom of the barrel team. We are actually, you know, we've got the guys where we're actually trying to move toward building something uh, to be winners regularly. And, and so far that has happened over time. But I believe that was the turning point when we made when we got our first playoff win. Yeah, look for the Bengals to be sort of a trend in my top five. My second one, let's go back all the way to September 9th, 2002, Texans versus Cowboys. I debated a little bit whether to put this one one, this one, you know, first on my list, but because I don't think a Houston football team can start off their existence any better than beating the Cowboys in their grand opening game at home on national t- television. The moment for me in this one had to be David Carr going back to pass with the score tied at 10. Wide receiver Corey Bradford hauled in a 65-yard touchdown catch against future Hall of Fame safety Darren Woodson. That, of course, the pinnacle, unfortunately, of both David Carr and Corey Bradford's career. And Brian, yeah, the game is not a moment. So the moment I I made it that Corey Bradford touchdown, because that was the 
that was the moment of the game for the Texans, and, and that really led to the win. Oh, that that's right, and um, it, that's that's who we played off, you know, first, you know, with with the you know the Texans playing the Cowboys. What not a better way to get things started by by beating the Cowboys, as you said. So, you know, it, it, it's certainly something that, and I'm I'm trying my best to remember that game uh, as clear as I possibly can. Um, I was in my early twenties. But, uh, you know, just with each part of the plays that that happened and that that's a great recount of exactly what happened. But um, it, it just made us feel all proud at that moment that, you know, we had no idea where this franchise was going to go and how was it going to look in the future. But just something to to get the ball rolling and to have hope in our hearts. Yeah, you're trying to remember this. I'm worried about you with Alzheimer's already setting in in your mid 30s. Was this on your list? <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm surprised about that one. So what's your number two? Number two, um, I have down the, the 2014 season when J.J. Watt was just totally dominant. Um, the J.J. T- Watt touchdown in week two um, against the against the Raiders. I mean, it was one of those plays that they didn't expect him. He lined up uh, as a tight end. Then he jumps out uh, into the end zone and he's wide open. Ryan Fitzpatrick just kind of floats it over to him. It was a road game, so not a lot of fanfare, but it just took two weeks later to September 28, 2014, where E.J. Manuel gets picked off by J.J. Watt, runs 79 yards all the way down to the end zone, and the roof, I would tell you, would it, it blew off the top of, uh, uh, well, back then it was probably Reliance Stadium, but now it's NRG. But um, I, I want to say I was at that game, but it was an incredible atmosphere, and it, it just went to show that this was all part of J.J. Watt's dominance. as And he went on and won Defensive Player of the Year. I think at that point in the season, he already had 11 and a half sacks. So, yeah, it, it's just an amazing uh, moment for him. But that's my number two. What, what was it? Was it the, the Raiders touchdown or was it the E.J. Manuel touchdown? I think the one, both of those were pivotal. No, you, to can't, me. You, can't, you can't have both of them unless you're going to make it a, another one on your list, man. You can't do that. That's not legal. <laughs> You can't have well, a, if, you, if, is this if a two-way pick, tie is this a two-way tie it's a two-way tie but the one that made the most impact of course was the one at home uh, because he had the home crowd behind him and it was just something you totally didn't expect and just um, you, as far as him being a defensive player how fast he was able to run all the way to the end zone I think he needed some oxygen you know whenever he, he finished up that run but um, what an incredible feat that, that man was able to do. Yeah, I might as well just tell you the spoiler. My number five, that was way down number five for me, September 28, 2010. I've got it down, Texans versus Bills. J.J. Watt doing it again, snatching balls out of the air like, you know, he's just, uh, you know, some sort of Spidey Man figure with those hands. And, of course, yeah, QB E.J. Manuel, who we have maybe could be a future backup quarterback for the Texans uh maybe a possibility who knows with his athletic ability but uh you know he he just snatched it out of the air like you said 80 yards for the touchdown you know in a career of just unbelievable plays by Watt to me that might have been his best play Brian and and, and no question about it I mean that that's one that I think you, you you won't forget especially if you were there just the way just the whole game turned on a dime and this was a guy that could outrace an entire Bills offense yeah, yeah, yeah. I just the dominance that he had during that period of time, where nobody was even touching JJ Watt. JJ Watt was the guy uh, to be targeted. It's amazing, and just 
that short amount of time, you know, we're now what almost four seasons in since that particular moment. And but although he's far from being an afterthought, he just, you know, with the injuries he's sustained, um, I he, I think he should deserve and command the same attention when he's back on the field. But again, you just don't know how long he's going to be able to stay healthy. But um, I, 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 the probably those days of J.J. Watt when we ha- saw him at his best like that are over. But again, I still think he's going to be very effective as I've said many times on the show. Well, before I get to my number three on the list, I want to remind everybody listening that, hey, if you're enjoying Locked On Texans, tell your friends, let them know, say, hey, these guys are good. They're giving us good Texans information. Just tell them they can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Uh, Tons of ways, actually, you can put us on your phone, keep you company in Houston traffic. Well, let's get to my number three on this list. I'll be interested to see if, if you've got this one as well. December 11th, 2011, uh, Texans versus Bengals. Game 13 of the season. I think it was game 13 of the season. Texans down 19-13 with a little more than two minutes left on the clock. Do you remember this one, Brian? Is this one coming into focus for you a little bit? It's coming. It's coming in there. It really is. No timeouts (laughs) for the Texans. TJ Yates takes the Texans down the field, hits Kevin Walters for a six-yard touchdown with two seconds left. People may forget that the Texans were actually down Brian 16 to three in that, in that game. And, and of course that, that was the game that clinched their first AFC South title. That is right. That's right. Absolutely. And Kevin Walter was the, uh, on the receiving end of that, you know, for a long time, you know, he was a reliable option um, as far as our wider outside of Andre Johnson. I mean, he never seemed to make it, you know, outside of that after he left from here. I mean, his most productive years uh, were here. But that is probably his greatest moment of his career as well, because he was able to be the on the receiving end of just a moment where we were able to get our clinching up our first division title back in uh, 2011. Yeah, I was hoping that might be Yates's breakout game. His numbers in that game were pretty darn good. And of course, you know, showing what he could do there in the clutch, he made that huge run. I think it was a third down and 15 run or something like that. I mean, it just looked like maybe we got something in TJ Yates in the fifth round, but he's never got it quite back together as much as he had it in that particular game. Uh, what's your next one on the list? Is I, I believe you're we're, you're at three as well. That is correct. And my number three is November 28th, 2010. There was a lot brewing on, a lot of emotions, and it just kept getting higher and higher between these two. And I'm teasing you, Rob. You probably already know what I'm going to talk about. It is the fight between Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson. And those two got into it. And Andre Johnson being the quiet one, you know, never, you know, going out and fighting. He had finally had enough and he pinned that guy to the ground. <laughs> that was a technical knockout, I think. Right. Technical knockout. And, and, and pretty much told him, you know, uh, into, you know, <laughs> not so discreetly that he was tired of hearing his crap. And there you go. And he never did it again. But um, that that really, even though, you know, it, you know, it's violence. Hey, we shouldn't be fighting. It's it's against rules. But hey, these guys hit each other for a living. So come on. Uh, but it was just uh, a great moment for Texas history, just for Texas pride in general, uh, just indicating that even Andre Johnson can some you can get under his skin and and he'll destroy you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, that's a great moment. I I had it in my honorable mentions for sure. It's funny with Andre Johnson, you know, there's not these a ton of these real signature moments, 
But you know that that one I thought of, of course, and and Cortland Finnegan being the little punk that he was. I mean, I, we all felt like he deserved it. That was why that was so much fun. First, first of all, because it was so uncharacteristic of Andre. But when Andre flipped the switch, it was it was over with. He he scored the technical knockout. So. So yeah, that that was a good one. My number fourth on the number four on the list for me was September fourteenth, two thousand and seventeen. We're not going to flash back too far for this one. Again, we go back to the Bengals one more time. Uh, do you sense a pattern, kids, uh, with the Bengals and the Texans? Where would they be without the Bengals as their whipping boy? This one, of course, one minute and three seconds left in the second quarter. Deshaun Watson, after some Bengals pressure, just takes off running forty nine yards, electrifying touchdown. And really, that's the moment that signified the arrival of Deshaun Watson, national television, his first start. Of course, this could be recency bias because we don't know yet if Deshaun can live up to what he's done so far. But Brian, for a team and a fan base who'd watched Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brock Osweiler, it really was a breath of fresh air. And I had to put this in my top five. You have to. And Deshaun Watson, you know, he is just getting started and just we're going to have to change this list because he's going to be one of those game changers for, for Texas history. Um, so yeah, get ready to revise this because, you know, we haven't seen anything yet. Just the fact that, you know, you just with in one season, seven games, he was able to make such an impact uh, goes to show what a special player that, that we have. Thanks to Rick Smith for making the deal. Okay. What's your uh, next one? My number four, is not so much a people would probably not say that this was one of the greatest moments, but it meant a lot to me because it was something that we had to get off our back. It had been a long lingering monkey and on our back and we were able to finally do it. Let's go back to December 20th, 2015. This was toward the end of the season. Uh, the playoffs weren't yet still in hand. We still needed to win games and we ended up going nine and seven, of course, but we were finally able to beat the Colts up in Indianapolis for the very first time in franchise history. Uh, it, and I'm pretty sure it meant a lot to the players. Uh, it meant a lot to, you know, it's, it wasn't just a regular win. It wasn't a very great game to watch. It was very ugly. There were a lot of injuries. TJ Yates got hurt. Brandon Wheaton had to step in and win the game for us. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck got hurt. Charlie Whitehurst had to finish out the game as well. Ended up being 16 to 10. But I tell you, uh, and personally, I, I want to let you know that I did travel up there. I was I was at that game. That was I had never been to Indianapolis, and that was on my calendar. I wanted to go and attend, but I didn't think I was going to be a part of history. Uh, thank goodness that it was a, a climate-controlled stadium because it was very cold. Um, it was, you know, sub-degree temperature. Well, not sub, but very close to freezing, but it almost felt like it. Um, what I like about Indianapolis downtown is that you really don't have to go outside to get around downtown. They've designed, especially when they host the Super Bowl, where you can walk through the buildings or the crosswalks and you're you're able to stay warm and move around downtown without even having to walk outside. But aside from that, you know, it was uh, a great experience. And I'm just so happy that the Texans uh, were able to get that monkey finally off their back where they were able to be everyone in their division at home. And now that's on. Uh, the record. And I think they won again uh, this season as well. So, I mean, now yeah, it's, that doesn't it's, matter. It was that the Colts are Colts were awful this year. It's not were. the same team without, you know, Peyton and, 
that, that that's the other thing. It's you know without Peyton, it's it's not quite as big a deal. And of course, Andrew, no Andrew Luck either. Was there a moment in that game? I didn't catch it because because uh, mm-hmm. if you're going with games, you need to save that for our top five games that we're probably going to have to do down the road. Was there a moment from that one that you you recall that sticks out? Just when the quarterback switch happened, where Brandon Whedon, you know, had to take the reins of of the offense, I didn't know what to expect, but he was able to handle the offense wonderfully. And, you know, honestly, that kept him with a job here with the Texans for the next two seasons until we cut him, you know, just at the beginning of of this season. But was there a moment that I really remember? I just remember people dropping like flies. That's about it. Uh, but whenever this quarterback switch was made, I do remember that very vividly, just wondering how this game was going to go. Because we were in the game, but it, it just we were, I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to pull it off to seal the deal. And, you know, we finally were able to do that. We held on. Now, my number five, the only one I had left was that one I already mentioned with the J.J. Watt interception off E.J. Manuel. Uh, was that it for you or did you have one more? I forget. I had one more um, scoring 57 points in one game. Wow. October 1st, 2017. Watson had four touchdowns, one rush touchdown. My my goodness. You know, you, that game, just sitting there and watching it, you know, we just kept scoring and scoring. And I'm like, I need to check the record books because I don't think we scored this many points in a long time. I knew we were getting close. So I looked it up and, you know, because we were going to be going on later that day with the postgame show. So, you know, I was having my notes ready and all that. But I, I was just witnessing a, a moment in history, just watching that game. And Deshaun just giving everyone touchdowns like as if they were uh, Halloween treats. Everyone was getting touchdowns. He even got one himself up with his legs. So, like I said, so uh, October 1st, 2017 will be one moment that I will remember for quite a long time. I don't know if we're going to hit that mark anytime soon we may get close to it gosh 57 points it's so hard to score that many in the nfl but if anybody can lead such a charge it's deshaun watson all right now i'm going to go to some honorable mentions and see if you if there's anything else that, that you had but you know i was trying to come up with an andre johnson one that wasn't Cortland finnegan and the, and the fight and the one that i thought of from number 80 was that overtime play against the Jags. Matt Schaub threw him the screen pass. Johnson goes 49 yards for the game-winning score. That play, and then there was the catch, and I don't know if you remember this one, late in the game against the Redskins, they're on the road. Matt Schaub on fourth down just throws, heaves one up into the end zone for Andre. Andre yanks it down, and the Texans win that game in overtime. Those were the two Andre ones. I've got a couple more. Were there any honorable mentions for you? That pretty much covers my five um, it, 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 as far as any that that were worth mentioning. Um, of course, there's very more. There's there's a lot more. And of course, that Cowboys win would be an honorable mention for me. But so much has so much time has passed since that has happened. You know, you almost want to think it's an afterthought because I think this team um, was in its infancy then. But uh, we're, we're getting kind of grown now. So, you know, we've got more moments to make along the way. How about 2011, the the draft, the Texans picked Justin James Watt. That's a pretty good moment. It was. Now, I, I didn't boo. I was I was hopeful, you know, as always with our picks in the draft. But there were a lot of fans that booed uh, that pick. And I was trying to remember who who, were, who was everybody wanting. 
there was he, there was somebody that was drafted around that time, but I'll have to go back and look at the yeah, board. Yeah, drafted with the Lions. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he never did anything. Well, he was okay for a while, but I don't even know if he's still in the league. I'm trying to remember uh, which guy I was thinking of. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I was also trying to come up with, was there a signature moment, a catch from him? I mean, there's so many great catches, but I, there was nothing that I could quite pinpoint as a top five that I could, could I, that I could put in the top five. Arian Foster, Arian Foster. What about Arian Foster moments? I'm, you know, I mean, Foster to me, you know, he's top, top four Texans of all time at this point. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's Andre Johnson, JJ Watt. I think Arian Foster, he might be number two. He might be right there with DeAndre Hopkins, but it's, it's those are your four best Texans right now. Yeah, definitely uh, ring of honor inductees. You know, they, they will get their due whenever it's the next guy that's up. So I don't know how they're going to do this ring of honor thing. Are they just going to do it every year or just when they feel like it? But certainly the guys you mentioned are, are going to be in that honorable group of men. Yeah. I mean, Hopkins, uh, we could talk about, like I said, we could talk about so many. I think the one that I may have considered, uh, I don't know. There, the, see the, 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 the ones that the catches, we talked about all the incredible catches he made this year, but none of them got you wins for the most part. You know, I'm trying to remember which one that stood out. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there was a couple of them in there that, that, that the Texans won the game, but um, Mm -hmm. there wasn't there. They weren't necessarily signature wins. Of course that Seattle game. Yeah. That Seattle game. If he, if he, if he, uh, you know, if the Texans, I should say, if they hold on and win it, you know, the screen pass that he takes off for, whatever it was, 76 yards, but th- th- that's it. Um, and I'm trying to think, you know, you could say Texans draft Andre Johnson. That that could be a moment. Uh, I don't, I just, there's, you know, it's with the Texans. Hopefully the, the moments are coming with uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, Deshaun had some other great moments this season, but the one that came in the win was that Bengals one that sticks out for me more than anything else. I mean, you you took the Titans um, you took a whole game where I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of aiming for moments, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's kind of where, you know, we, de- I was defining the list was, was moments. And I, that's, you know, to me, the, the Titans game, I think people are going to forget that game in three or four years. You go, oh yeah, I beat the Titans 57 to 13. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, that happened. But I don't know if that, I don't know if that sticks and hangs on. I, you know, it's like the, with some of the the other ones that we talked about, uh, the Cowboys game, uh, maybe the J.J. Watt the, against the Bengals game. I mean, those you, you're not going to forget. But we'll see. Maybe that. Maybe you're right. Maybe that stands the test of time, and everybody remembers. Hey, Deshaun, 57 points on the Titans, and that was a playoff team this past year. So, anything else you got on that one before we kind of finish things up? I just want to say, you know, I respectfully disagree because games can be moments. An entire game can be a moment. You can encapsulate that all together. Um, with 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 that, you know, people are going to be googling how many how many points have the Texas scored in one game. What's the most points that have been scored? That game's going to keep coming back up and up and up until that record is broken. I think fifty seven. That's going to remain intact for a while. Um, and like I said, it's, it's so difficult to score that many points in the league with all the advancement of, of defenses and whatnot. So yeah, that, that's my example there just to say, but, uh, you know, I, I, I totally get your point. I respectfully disagree. Texans do play the Browns this year, Brian and Deshaun Watson, we hope is healthy. Uh, yes, I, I think he can put up 60. 
Why not? <laughs> I would love to see it. <laughs> You'll forget about the 57 when he puts up 60 this year. That's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll have to keep pointing it out. I was like, well, we did. We he Remember when he did 57? Remember when he did 57? People were going to say, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, I, I just want to see him blossom and, and take this franchise to even – higher moments uh, than what we've seen right now. I mean, because, you know, again, things are just getting started. But what people have to be careful about is he is not ultimately the savior. We need guys around him to help him. You know, he's not going to be able to fix everything. So, um, you know, that's that's something that the Texas need to keep in mind uh, to keep him healthy because, you know, what they did with J.J. Watt, they had him do everything. He was catching touchdowns just like we were doing earlier. They had him everywhere on the field, and he got worn out. That body just couldn't take it anymore because your body will tell you whenever you're worn out, and it has interesting ways of letting you know. So, yeah, that's what I was getting at there. Let's close the show out with what I think is a real interesting uh, little look at the Jimmy Garoppolo deal, the biggest contract in NFL history. It's one of the big stories of this past week, we, we were going to give you a little bit of, of a bonus here uh, with Locked On 49ers host Brian Peacock, part of our Locked On network. He shares his thoughts on whether it was all worth it. You know, uh, if the, that money on Garoppolo was, is worth it. Uh, before we hear his breakdown, just want to remind you of a few things. Uh, go to LockedOnTexans.com, Jack Parati, or Parodi, and uh, Cameron Wedler. Profile Texans potential free agent targets in the offensive line and the secondary. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, email us at lockedontexans at mail.com. If you forget any of that, we try to help you out by putting it in the show description. Save our website, lockedontexans.com, in your favorite tabs and take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. First of all, just an overview of this deal. If you've been hiding under a rock over the last few days, Jimmy Garoppolo has signed a huge extension with the San Francisco 49ers, five years, $137.5 million, making him, from a yearly average perspective, $27.5 million a year is the highest paid player in the NFL currently or ever in NFL history. Very, very good money if you can get it for a guy who's played seven NFL games and has been spectacular and won all seven of those contests for perspective of some of the players that Jimmy Garoppolo currently makes more than, uh, and it started in March of 2016, Joe Flacco. Uh, he's around 22, $23 million as is Andrew Luck, who became the highest paid player in the NFL in June of 2016. Then Derek Carr came over the top of both of those guys with his contract, $25 million per year in June of 2017. Then a month later, a couple months later in August of 2017, Matthew Stafford signed a contract worth $27 million a year, and that brings us to February 2018, a newly minted Jimmy Garoppolo making $27.5 million a year, is now the highest paid player in NFL history, and he is soon to be surpassed by Kirk Cousins this offseason, and most likely other players like Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers going forward, and in a few years, Jimmy Garoppolo may not even be in the top five anymore, so uh, that's the hope that he's worth this contract, that he is your franchise guy, and then in a couple years down the road, uh, he's making the amount of money that we're thinking about what it is that Joe Flacco makes, and that that was signed only in 2016, that contract. And a lot of that, that I remember that one opened a lot of eyes 
And uh, that was the big, uh, you know, quote unquote, is Joe Flacco elite conversation that uh, that's been ongoing since then. But Jimmy Garoppolo, he's locked up for the next five years. But is it really a five year, one hundred and thirty seven and a half million dollar contract? Well, for that, we have to get into the details in the fine print of this deal. The best part of this contract is the 49ers used their immense amount of cap space in 2018 to their advantage and severely front-loaded this contract. So the risk they take is mostly up front because there are some outs I'll talk about in a second in this deal. But it's over $40 million they're dishing out in year one, a huge $28-plus million roster bonus. So really, down the road, this contract could be very team-friendly and help them in a number of ways with other contracts and other players as those come up in future years. So if Garoppolo is legit down the road, this is a fantastic deal. Uh, Early, if it turns out Jimmy Garoppolo isn't good, they're going to eat some money in the first couple years of this deal, and that's where it could possibly hurt them. But they have that cap space. They're never going to use all the cap space they have probably in 2018 or 2019. So that's a risk worth taking, and they're doing what a lot of teams don't do, and that's utilizing the space they have now, putting money up front and not pushing money into future years, which will also in turn help them down the road. So looking at this from a year-to-year deal, it could become, and this is where Prague Marate, the the 49ers cap guru, comes in, and, and all the contracts he does tend to give the 49ers that out after the first couple of years. And it was that way with the Kaepernick thing, not quite the bonus structure that the Kaepernick deal had, but again, 49ers have outs every year this contract after year two. Uh, it could become a two-year $61 million deal. It could become a three-year $86 million deal. Or it could become a four-year $105.8 million deal if he doesn't get the rest of those bonuses in year five or the bonuses from year four for making that all-pro team. So uh, basically, you know, everyone hopes, again, that it's a, it's a, it is a $137.5 million contract for five years, and he earns everything because that's the best for both sides, but there are some outs in case Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn out to be the guy that they think he is. And on the flip side, $27.5 million in a few years in the middle of this contract, if Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy that I fully believe he will be by that time in this contract, especially when there's more talent around him and when he's got a 100% grasp of Kyle Shanahan's offense, I think they are a perfect match as offensive coordinator and quarterback, then you're looking at this as potentially a bargain contract measured against you know the top five or six quarterbacks in the league if he is in that upper echelon of passers. The overriding feeling here is that you know whether it comes down to John Lynch and ownership or Jimmy Garoppolo and his agents themselves is you saw how Washington and Kirk Cousins botched this whole thing for many years in a row and nobody wanted to go down that road. They didn't want to do the tag route and that's that's amazing that they came together and they realized this and for John Lynch, yeah, maybe you save a little bit if you if you really play hardball, but more importantly, you pay a little bit more now, and then that way you don't pay a lot more later and potentially lose a player altogether. And on Garoppolo's end, maybe he plays out the franchise tag, and that's the way he wants to do it because he knows he can wait for a couple other quarterbacks to sign, and then his number could be a lot bigger in the 2019 offseason. But nobody wanted to do that. They didn't want to play that game and have that dance. They wanted to get something done. They wanted to move forward as an organization and as a football team. And you got to love that as a 49ers fan if you're looking at this team and hoping that, unlike past regimes, everyone's on the same page. And this, this thing is working together and marching forward as a unit and as one club. 
So if the question to me is, is this a good contract for the 49ers? I say, that's a great contract for the 49ers. Is it a good contract for Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. At the time of signing, a guy that's played seven games has a chance at the time of signing, at least, to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. And he's still got to play well and he's still got to earn the rest of this deal. So I love that there's outs in the contract for the 49ers. Hopefully they don't have to use them and that Jimmy Garoppolo earns this deal. And I think it's a great deal for both sides. So kudos to not only Garoppolo for earning the deal and his agent, but also to John Lynch and Pragmarate for the way they structured this deal. I think it's a really win-win situation for both the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 